Hey, Christy. Yes, Karen. Why do gardeners plant bulbs? Why? So the worms can see where they're going. (laughs) (laughs) Can you turn on that bulb, please? (laughs) Hi, I'm Christy, a backyard gardener from Colorado. These days, gardening has gotten very popular, and my friends and I have noticed more and more people picking our brains for tips and troubleshooting about gardening. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips, a fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong. Upside Down Tulips. Hello, Karen. Hi, Christy. And hello, gardeners. And wannabe gardeners. Folks, I'm so pleased to introduce everyone to our guest host this week, which is the beautiful and talented Karen Slack. She has to say that because I'm in the same room. (laughs) (laughs) Karen, I was trying to think like how long we've known each other. Oh my gosh. And I think it's almost 20 years. I think you're right. Do you remember how we met? No. Uh, I threw a baby shower (gasps) for mutual friends of ours. That's right. And you came over. That's right. And um, and I know it's been about 20 years because I think that baby is in college now. Yes, that baby is in college now. And since Isn't then- that wild? Yeah, that's weird. That's wild. And we do theater together. We do. And we talk about gardening. We do. And in fact, folks, you, if you remember Karen's voice, Karen, you've been a part of Upside Down Tulips almost since the very beginning. Well, thanks to you and Edith, yes. Because friends will recognize you as the one and only squirrel. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> so everybody, Karen would Karen would do this voice all the time when she would talk about squirrels. I remember you said you always felt like squirrels were the assholes of the garden. Completely. They are all Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols. <laughs> If you give them one tomato, they're going to trash your entire garden. They just come in and start, you know, breaking things and throwing things around. They're horrible, awful things. And every time I see a squirrel, what are you doing? What are you doing up there? (laughs) Just sitting in the tree. Stupid squirrels. Well, your your character, you know, just inspired uh, me and Edith to have this whole series of different pop plays about your wonderful squirrel character. Which I just love so yeah. much. It makes me laugh all the time. All the time. Well, uh, Karen, how's your garden going? You know, it's going pretty stinking well. And I, you know, we were out of town, too, for a while. So we had somebody that was caring for our garden. I had that, too. That's a little That's it, a little scary. It can be, especially, you know, for us, it was somebody new that had never cared for our garden before. And granted, we had her also caring for our living furry creatures too so all the animals you she have. was yeah she was really and she was incredible at it She's folks you have fabulous. to know that karen has a bulldog named sue i do a boy <laughs> a boy named sue it's true and a malamute named honey oh nice and a kitty cat named polka dot nice and we're on the verge of getting two guinea pigs so next week we will be opening up a petting farm <laughs> Charging. <laughs> I could make some cider and some muffins to oh, sell. Oh, good. See, yes. This is entrepreneurship. Corn That's maze. what it is. Yeah. That's right. Yes. <laughs> we do the whole thing up. But yes, we, so our garden is doing actually quite beautifully, even with 
I think what has been pretty stinking hot summer that we've had. Yeah. And although we did get some really beautiful rain. I gotta say, it's felt like this summer in the Denver metro area has been a little rainier than most summers. I will agree with that completely. Even like yeah. last night we had that beautiful oh, rain. Oh, it was gorgeous. It was just gorgeous. Good and the garden rain. gets so happy when it rains. Yeah. All the plants look so happy. But this year, you know, every year I find that it changes in terms of what is really thriving or, mm -hmm. and I don't know why that is. We do tend to rotate our crops mm -hmm. just to give them a different, you know, to give them a different experience and also see like, oh, this really likes it here. So yeah, then we'll I do keep that it there the next year, you know? Yeah. But I do, we do like to switch it up. So, but this year our tomatoes, our San Marzano tomatoes are so stunningly beautiful. Oh, nice. And I love them so much. <laughs> and, um, and we also have our crazy rogue pumpkin. Last year we planted a pumpkin. We didn't get like anything. Uh -huh. And then this year we planted a pumpkin. And of course we have like four. Nice. And they're humongous. And the thing has started to weave its way all around the outskirts of the garden. I'm just grateful that this pumpkin plant seems to be aware of boundaries. That's good because my mine for everything, right? Mine is going into the driveway. See, it's not so I have to like to guide that. it. I have to keep moving it over. I mean, your pumpkin should talk to my pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> my pumpkin could give it some tips on boundaries. Yeah, yeah. It, my pumpkin does need boundaries. And then I had, you know, I've already harvested three pumpkins off it. I mean, that's incredible. And I have two huge ones coming. Well, I used to have three, Karen. Oh, no. What happened? Well, it looks like a freaking squirrel. Oh, shocker. <laughs> Shock. I'll take you out there. Can I do, like, it wants a I mean, whatever is eating it, you know, if it's raccoon, if it's squirrel, I don't know. But once it's got a bite out of it, is it over? Yeah. I think they're I just toast. Gotta, oh, they're man. just toast. What are you going to do at that point? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think you could turn it into a pretty cool jack-o'-lantern. That's what I was hoping. Like, uh, like a I, like, Freddy Krueger sort of look? Yeah. Could I like carve around where the chew marks are? Why not? Totally. Oh, you could even, you well, could it, even do it like a little, you know, those orthodontic molds that they do yeah. and see if you can find the culprit. Yes. Then we could really start to narrow some things down. Get some DNA. That's off right. Of that That's right. Do a swab, swab all the squirrels in the area. Yes. See I'm who on is it. responsible for this. <laughs> uh, you've got peppers too, right? We do have peppers. Our peppers are a little funny this year Mine for some reason. Have I don't you, know. Have why. you had jalapenos? No. I've and had we've just a couple. We have like blossoms. Yeah. And I'm like, are they ever going to come to fruit? But we do have our um, shishitos mm -hmm. have been oh, beautiful. Oh, those are nice. They've been beautiful. Deva, um, my daughter, decided that she was going to go into the garden and just pick a pepper and try it. Uh -oh. She's like, I'm just going to wash it and see what happens. So she picks a pepper. She comes inside. I don't see exactly what pepper it is that she has. I can just see that it's red. Uh -huh. And I'm like, okay, that's either like an Anaheim that we've left on the vine that's going to be pretty stinking spicy at this point if it's nice and red, uh -huh. too. Or it's going to be a Shishito and she's going to be like, this was no big deal. And then she'll go pick an Anaheim and then burn her face yeah. off. It was a Shishito. And she was oh, like, good. this is actually delicious. I was oh, like, good. I know. They Kids are, are funny that way, though. Delicious. They like to like have really sour things or yes. try really weird things. You totally. know, like the cinnamon challenge or the... Uh, 
all of those things are so <laughs> nasty. I think it's because their frontal lobe isn't fully formed yet. So then they just yeah, make all the right. bad decisions in the whole wide world. Get them out of their system. That's right. Please do. Uh, the earlier, the better. You to- you have a zucchini plant this year, right? We do have a zucchini have plant. Have you been getting zucchinis? No. <gasps> okay. You are like the fourth person I know who has not had any zucchinis. None. Has your plant looked good? It looks gorgeous. So does mine. Nothing. Nothing. You I, haven't gotten any either? No. And you live like, you live like a, you're like a five, 10 minute drive from oh, me, Oh, yeah. Karen? Seven minutes. Seven, Seven minute minutes, drive. 23 seconds. Edith also <laughs> has not had any zucchini. What is that? What is that about? The, I We need somebody to write in and let and us it's, know. It's interesting because I have acorn squash. I have butternut squash. But no zucchini. Yeah. I had yellow zucchini for a while, but then the plant kind of petered out. Huh. Like, you know, like ye- yellow yellow summer squash. Yes. You know? And those do peter out early, yeah. I find. I had to buy zucchini, Karen. Oh, God. What have we come to, Christy? <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, I'm so... Well, typically, somebody's knocking on your door with a zucchini that's the size yeah. of your arm and says, congratulations. Yeah, and you and they've got a basket full of them or a wheelbarrow just full of them that they're just taking to people, tossing them out of their, you know. Where to try I grew and get up in Minnesota, it was the only reason to lock your car door at night. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that is hilarious! <laughs> um, anything else going on in your garden, Karen? No, you know we did try something new though this year, where we put some herbs and like greens in our front area Uh which is east facing which was it was it was interesting the lettuce did not take the greens did not take Mm. but the herbs seemed to really kind of like it out there that's good so yeah that was a that was a good experiment that i think taught us no 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 greens in the front but the herbs did like it i just did a second batch of greens Ooh. So I planted romaine and lettuce, and when they are did you plant these? A couple weeks ago. Seriously? Yeah, we just talked about in the last episode, episode ninety-two, about things you can plant in September. And I don't think it's too late, Karen. You could throw some lettuce and spinach in. I might just do that because I love the stuff. Um, I was also going to tell people uh, regarding pumpkins that I learned. I looked up a couple things on how to keep rodents squirrels or raccoons mm. off your pumpkins and of course one of the things is to you know use pepper spray or make your own pepper spray sure um i heard somebody say vaseline but that to me seems dangerous <laughs> it seems dangerous and entertaining yeah. if i'm using vaseline <laughs> on my pumpkins i am setting up a camera because yeah. i gotta see what happens yeah you could be on america's next home videos then, and i all i <laughs> can TikTok. see are those greasy little paw prints that would be on my car in the, right, you know what I mean? Yes. Like ugh, the Vaseline prints that could ensue thereafter. That's well, really after gross. I saw the two marks, here's what I did. I used hairspray. Ah. Oh. Huh. So we'll see. I mean. Fingers crossed. We'll see if hairspray. But of course, every time it rains, you have to. Redo it. Reapply. Of so course. We'll send it. See. I did, but trick. I just sprayed a little hairspray in the area. And so. I wish that, we'll you know, that hairspray was the furthest that we went with spraying our yeah. plants and things. <laughs> right. Hairspray, that would be fine. I also want to let you know that um, I, I've been deadheading my broccoli, you know, cutting, harvesting my broccoli. Did summer. you ask the broccoli how it feels about that? Yeah. 
It loves it. It loves it. It loves it. It feels good. And I just got my third, I'm, my third harvest is out there. I'm going to harvest wow. my broccoli. Wow. And usually I just let it go to seed. Right. Because the bees love it. It's, they do. They do. I, never, I don't get it quick enough, but I've been really good about being on it this I summer. need to be better about being on it. We have one plant that is, you know, gone, gone to seed, but I do love it when the bees love it. Yeah. And then it is kind of. Yeah, they love broccoli flowers, they? really don't they? do. They really Holy do. Holy cow. Broccoli flowers and lavender. They love it. Um, I also love this time of year because my sedum is starting to bloom. I don't know if you have sedum, but it's a, this no. is a flower. It's a it's nice because it's a September blooming flower. Oh, that's rare. And this is called autumn sedum. And uh, when we're done here, I'll let you see them because yes, they please. start off by turning a dusty pink and they just slowly, slowly get darker oh. and darker. Oh, how gorgeous. And they're gorgeous. just a great little, little plant. Autumn sedum. If you ever see it in the store, go get some. Where do you have those? Are they I in have them in the front yard. In the, you know, they're perennials. They come the back every year. I love perennials. Yeah, I'll do, yeah, in fact, in the spring, remind me, Karen, and I'll divide some up for you because they like would be, to be lovely. divided. And I think I'm going to go on like some sort of a anti-annual, I don't know, maybe get a group of people together that are just, you know, pro perennial because I don't, I don't understand annuals anymore. They kind of break my heart and I'm like, Oh, oh but I love you, but you're leaving and I'm never going to see you again. Oh, you know? Yeah. I like, I both. don't like the impermanence of it. Yeah. I like both. I like, you know, when the perennials are done, then you just shove an annual in its place and next to it. And then I like that. I, I just find <laughs> I miss them. Yeah. You like permanence. I do. I need the commitment. <laughs> I made a commitment to you. You make a commitment to me. Yeah, I it just like, makes yeah. sense. Hey, well, speaking of commitments, Karen. Yes. Um, I am proud to share that to everybody that we have a new member of our garden party. Woohoo! This is Elle Book from Denver. And um, she is throwing us a couple bucks each month to help support the of expenses of producing a podcast. How fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you, Elle Book. And if folks want to become a member of the Garden Party, you can see a link in our show notes. And um, depending on what level you get, you can get some um, some nice rewards. Um, Elle Book is going to get some seeds from my garden. How fabulous. And the cool thing for Al Book is that they are entered into a drawing for a free upside down tulips t-shirt. Woohoo! Folks, any new members of the garden party get entered into this drawing and you can look fashionable in an upside down tulips t-shirt. So don't forget we also have merch and you can see links in our show notes for that too. And then to wrap things up, we if you there are words or terms you don't understand folks please check out our website for the always amusing and entertaining Upside Down Dictionary, or you can click on the link in our show notes. We also have fun stuff on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. This week, Karen, I'm very excited because we have a special guest for our topic. We're talking with Kathy Nesbitt of Kathy's Crawlers, and she's telling us more about worm composting. Now you know what we should do, Karen. What? I think we should give everybody a chance to go all the way back to episode four when we had the very first squirrel pod play. Oh my gosh. I haven't listened to it in forever, so I'll be so happy to hear it again. It was so much fun. Everyone enjoy. Ah, summertime. The living is easy. 
The birds are chirping, the bees are humming, the insects are buzzing. Oh no. What are you looking at? Get out of my garden. Who? Me? Yes, you, you awful bushy-tailed rat. <laughs> I'm not a rat, though, am I? I'm a rodent. Oh, looky here. I'm not spread tomato. Get away from that. I grew that from seed. I'm just going to take a bite, yeah? <gasps> and then I'll throw it on your garden floor. No, get out. They find the bubonic plague on a squirrel in Jefferson County. Well... That's a laugh, isn't it? Like the humans don't have your very own plague. I'm coming over there right now. Oh, wait. What's this? Under my arm? Uh, oh, a little lump. <coughs> Is it a bubo? Oh, <coughs> I'm feeling a bit feverish as well. <coughs> okay, I'm keeping my distance, but you get out. This is delicious. Best part of tomato I've ever had. I'm full. What's this over here? A cantaloupe? They're my favorite. So kind of you. You shouldn't have. You asked for it. <gasps> Where are you? Where did you go? Up here, in my tree. Hello. I see you've made quite a mess of your beans. And your eggplant, <laughs> your aubergine, it's destroyed. <laughs> They're fragile, though, aren't they? They can't withstand your throwing pots and pans and whatnot at oh, them. Oh, no. I've got to get a grip. Finding your garden not the peaceful and serene oasis you thought it would be? Maybe it's time for a nice cup of gardeners. Get a grip tea. Made with the finest dried lemon balm, Chamomile flowers, holy basil, dandelion root, lavender buds, whiskey berries, rum raisins, and bourbon grains. We'll have you feeling better in no time. In fact, drink enough and you'll be feeling nothing at all. Avagapa, <laughs> you're gonna need it. Alrighty, friends, if you've listened to Upside Down Tulips before, you know we speak often and fondly of worms. And a month or so ago, we chatted about our new infatuation with worm composting, a.k.a. vermicomposting. And that was in our episode 77, which was called Answer, Worm Composting, Question, What Makes the Best Fertilizer? And a quick little recap is that Worm composting is using worms to recycle food scraps into a very valuable soil amendment called vermicompost or worm compost. Essentially, worms eat food scraps or other organic material, which becomes compost as it passes through the worm's body. And that compost can be used to grow plants. Worm castings or worm poo is used to conserve moisture and improve soil conditions. It can reduce a gardener's dependency on chemicals, and they get rid of a lot of waste. Boy, do we have a wonderful expert for you today. I'm so pleased to introduce to everyone Kathy Nesbitt. She is a worm advocate and founder of Kathy's Crawley Composters. She offers worm workshops, complete vermicomposting systems, books, videos, over 75,000 students have seen her presentation on worms. And she is the subject of a wonderful documentary called, what else? Squirm. So Kathy makes worms fun. She joins us today from beautiful Bradford, Ontario, Canada. Kathy, welcome to Upside Down Tulips. 
Yay! Yay! I'm excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Kathy, you know, we're not experts. Um, We've just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we've made along the way. And so whenever we have a guest on, we love to ask people right off the bat, what are some of your favorite gardening mistakes? (laughs) (laughs) My favorite one is, so when you have uh, worm poo as soil, it's super rich and things grow. So when you look after the soil, probably as you know, when you look after the soil, the soil looks after the plants. So when you have really good soil, <laughs> nothing to be done. <laughs> and I come from a mind of when something starts to grow, oh, it grew, now it's, it, it, you have to leave it. <laughs> if it's a vegetable, right? If it's something yeah, that you're uh-huh. wanting to propagate. So somehow I collect uh, compost from neighbors and whatever. and. I had, I guess, a lot of uh, butternut squash seeds in my compost, <laughs> and were, <laughs> and so I had butternut squashes everywhere, and they were like all over my tomato cage. I mean, it's 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 not wasn't a horrible mistake, I must say. <laughs> it was delicious, um, <laughs> but but you know, my I don't know. It must have been perfect conditions that year. Uh-huh. I had I had at least six over 10 pound butternut squashes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> they were massive. Um, I took I took one to a school and I and to say like, look at when you have, but you know, it was kind of phallic. So the teacher, <laughs> there was a Catholic school and they wouldn't let me get a picture with the girls. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's great. Well, had, Kathy, tell us, how did you get into worm composting? So that, you know, the kind of, quickish version because we don't have a ton of time is I I'm located uh in Toronto or I mean I'm in Bradford now our landfill closed in 2002 the year I started my worm business and we started exporting our garbage to the U.S. and I and I was like I have a solution like this is indoor composting and my goal is everyone to have worms everyone to make their own little bit of compost manage a bit of stuff um, you know, because people always want to know, can this be scaled up? And of course, everything can. Mm-hmm. But but then you get problems because, you know, they're living creatures. Yeah. Right. So as we're adding fuel in, aka the nitrogen and, and the, you know, the bedding, we get those ingredients. Now we've created like a heat bomb. Now it's so hot. If you've, you know, thermo, you know, composting is thermophilic or heating up process. Worm composting is mesophilic or even temperature. So, um, yeah, on a larger scale, it would be a little bit challenging. I never realized how much of worm composting is essentially animal husbandry. <laughs> it is, yes, well said. It's perfect. Because you do, you have these little critters that you need to take care of. And if you take, treat them well, then they will take care of you in return. Yeah, I believe the worms have been waiting millions of years to serve, kind of to serve us. And we're serving them by creating a right environment for them, you know, waiting to so- solve our garbage crisis. You know, back to Toronto, 6 million people in the greater Toronto area, half live in condos without space to do outdoor composting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is indoor composting. So this is a wonderful solution for, you know, people that don't have a large, large space, people that don't have outdoor space, people in cottage country, you know, you don't want to co- attract bears outside. Oh, sure. In- Right. Urban centers where you don't want to have raccoons or rodents. This is indoor. It's a beautiful solution. And one thing I thought was interesting about worm composting, Kathy, is that 
it's not just any kind of worm. You need actually a very specific kind of worm that's different than you know the night crawlers you would find out in your yard. Tell us what kind of worms do we use? Thank you, yes. Yeah, that's one of the myths about worm composting is you can use any worm. Um, it's the red wiggler, red wiggler worms. <laughs> kind of fun to say. <laughs> and I'm assuming they are red and they wiggle. And they are red and they're wiggly and they eat a lot. So they're the optimum. There's a few different species, um, but of the thousands of types of worms, only four have been identified. And these are worms, if I'm correct, that that they will eat organic matter as opposed to worms I might have in my backyard that will eat leaves. This will also eat um, fruits and veggies. Yes. So they're cousins. So like the night crawler, the night crawler lives outside. Mm -hmm. They like cooler climbs and they eat the leaves or the carbon. The red wigglers are kind of heat loving worms. So they're indoor worms, spoiled indoor worms. And they eat the carbon is the shredded paper and the nitrogen is the food scraps. So they're, you know, just a little bit different. And if I'm correct on this and your business, Kathy, is that you provide worms all over North America, correct? Uh, All over Canada. Okay. I, I, I ship my composter, but the worms you would need, to, it's a, a little bit challenging with customs getting the worms across the border. <laughs> <laughs> right. They've got to worry about illegal drugs and worms. <laughs> uh, but in the U.S., there are lots of red wiggler growers. Um, and how much do you think you're, you're a person who's starting out, how much should they order? I, I, you need a certain biomass, so either a pound or half a pound will, will is sufficient, and they multiply more than rabbits. So, um, you know, under ideal conditions, you'll have more worms, and you can add more food in and expand. You know what you're what you're managing. And how much do worms cost? A lot. Oh, really? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, in they're a hundred dollars a pound Canadian. So, okay, much less. And I, I believe because. Um, there's, you know, the conditions in the U.S. in some states, Texas, Fl- Florida, California, Georgia are the large growing states for red wigglers. Um, you know, conditions are, are better. So I think the, the um, I mean, the climate. climate yeah, wise. gotcha. Because they don't need to worry about winter. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. That's right. Um, so I believe in the U.S. they're much uh, more affordable. And tell us a little bit about um, how you feed your worms. Is there a certain, do you, how often do you do it? We get, I get worried about when people say, be careful feeding them too much. Yeah, so it is a balance. Um, what, what I say to people, you know, when you say too much, it's, people are like, well, how, do I have to measure the food? You don't really. Okay. It's, a, it's aerobic process, meaning with oxygen. So we breathe oxygen and so do the worms. If it smells bad, that oxygen has been converted to methane. Yeah, so let's use a pound of worm for easy math. They eat, once they're established, they'll eat about half their weight per day in food scraps. So half a pound per day or three to four pounds per week. Now, rather than feeding them daily, I would say once or twice per week. Okay, that seems easier to take, to manage. Right? Because you can miss a day or two. Absolutely. And and it's the pre, um, like it's not your plate scrapings. Mm -hmm. It's more your prep food. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah, because you don't want to add in, you know, the um, the sodium would be harmful for them, the salt or the 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 dressing things mm-hmm. on yours. So it's just easier to say if you use your potato peelings like at the beginning and eggshells egg and banana peels and absolutely gotcha. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
you you're in Canada. You would keep you keep your worms inside all the time. Uh, so the worms can be outside oh, spring, okay. summer, and fall. Okay, that's great to know. Like ideally indoor year round, and here's why: the worms don't like the temperature change. Who so does? If we're comfortable. They're comfortable, right? <laughs> I do. <laughs> if we're comfortable, they're comfortable. And putting your worm bin outside, um, you may attract outdoor critters mm. into your bin. You know, like those little sow bugs, the roly polies, yes. they might crawl in their centipedes. Mm-hmm. And then when you bring it inside, now you've got those outdoor bugs inside. Gotcha. So that, you know, which is, it's not, it's not a huge deal, but it, it could, you know, it might be something that might may deter people. I, I'm going to talk purely for myself selfishly now, because okay. um, I'm, I'm determined I'm going to start that this year. And, um, but my concern is like spring, summer, fall outside is great. I have a spot I know that I can keep, I keep it in, but then I get concerned about if it gets too hot. Yeah. Too hot. Cause it can get cold. to be, you know, it can be a hundred degrees here in the summer. And de- is it hot. enough just to move it into the shade or do I, is there certain things I can. Well, it's cooler in the shade, but once mm-hmm. they, so the, the optimum range is 60 to 80 mm. Fahrenheit. So outside of those ranges, so even in the shade, when it's a hundred yeah. in, in the shade, it's still going to be 90 or 92, or I don't know, it's going to be still hot. So, you know, ideally, again, if you can, if it can be in a garage where it's a little bit cooler. That's a good you know, point. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, you know, and even my concrete, my basement's so cooler. cooler actually in the summer too. Basement, so yeah. okay, you know, so so in hot places maybe too hot in the summer, mm-hmm. and in cold places too cold in the winter, and even in the you know Canada can be too hot as well. So I would say for sure you want to put it in the shade. Yeah, it's just get and it's just getting hotter too, right? It is. Yeah. Uh, what are some of your favorite? Uh, composting systems. I, I, you know, and I want to tell folks that I will put a link on our, on the show notes here to Kathy's website, because I was surprised how cute some of the composters you have available are. They're, they're classy looking. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Uh, so, you know, for the do-it-yourselfers, any container will do. Mm-hmm. Get your bedding. It's not the, it's not the container. It's not the system that makes it work. It's the environment. Mm. But for people that need, you know, they maybe have a small space and they don't want to, you know, old Rubbermaid bins, bins sitting <laughs> under their kitchen table. Right. <laughs> right. We have a beautiful, there are different systems, but the one we have is called the Living Composter, made right here in Canada. So beautiful. And it's a tower system. So it's it's a functional piece of furniture. It's like a little stool. It comes in four colors, so to match your decor. Yeah, I was surprised at that too, because you could get plum. There was like a like a mint green color. There was a gray color. And black. And black. And and, mm. and, and like they had like, yeah, it's like, like a little stool. It has like wolf, uh, like four wooden pegs. And then this these plastic trays sit on top. It looked really nice. It's, yeah, it's super cute. Again, you know, for people that like the aesthetics, and, you know, that that's great. It, ma- it will match your decor. Nobody will know you have worms. Like, you don't even need to tell somebody that it's actually a worm bin <laughs> unless they ask <laughs> or you want to share. You know, but it really allows you the opportunity. It lo- allows people the opportunity to, to manage their food scraps. You know, uh, you know, on a serious note, on the heels of COP26, managing our food waste, either through composting, worm composting, feeding raccoons, I don't care. <laughs> 
you know, is, is something we can all do. We all eat. So we all create food scraps. And, you know, and I have to be honest that, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to go all the way out to my compost bin with my food scraps. And, and if you could, this compost is it, from what I have read, Kathy is better than the compost that I just have outside with my leaves and, you know, my, and my, my leaves and my food scraps, because it goes through its process through the worm as worm poo. It's even better, right? Absolutely. Compost is great. Worm compost is greater. And, you know, often in, in our industrial world, processing, more processing isn't necessarily a good thing. But in nature, uh, the worms, yes, you said it right, they process it a little bit more. And each little casting or worm poo is, is like, it's water soluble, so it won't burn your plants. It's like a little um, time release capsule. So it, the, the earth takes from it as it needs. It's, it's like this magic. The worms have been waiting. They're like this thing that's right under our feet here to help us with many of our problems. Do you have any advice for people who, are, who don't like worms or who are afraid of worms? Yeah, come on over to my place. I'll help you. <laughs> You know, I would, you know, I was one of those people. I really want people to hear this because it's my worm. It's my business now. So you think, oh, she loves worms. I do now. Before starting my worm business, I, I didn't. I, you know, I, I looked after a teacher's worm bin and as an avid gardener and composter, I knew the value of the worm compost, but I didn't want worms in my house. A teacher friend was going away for the summer and said, can you look after my worms? And so I said, okay, this was 93. So I said, oh, sure. All right. Because I, you know, I think we should try things. Don't just let somebody tell you you won't like it. <laughs> right. Sure. So, yeah. I, so I took it on. I had a house full of fruit flies. It was awful. I said, I'm never doing compost where I'm composting again. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> <laughs> you know, several things happened. I got my psych degree in 2000, got a job at a group home working with challenged adults. They didn't have a composting program. And I said, why don't you compost? And then while we were talking, the greenhouse manager said, why don't we worm compost? And I was like, ah, no, not again. Not that again. No. But I knew they weren't going to get worms the next day because it was an institution. It would take time. So I started to research and I discovered the magic. So what I would suggest for people is start to research this magic thing. The worms have five hearts. Really? Ba -boom, ba -boom. Wow. 800 to 1,000 in a pound, it sounds like a lot, not to freak anyone out. They're small, they're cute. Five hearts each, 800 to 1,000 in a pound, four to 5,000 hearts in a oh. pound. Right? Oh, it's yeah. a lot of love. Yeah. And, you know, I think exposure helps too. It does. Thank the you. More Thank you, you get for used, the opportunity. The more you get used to worms, the more you, you know, the more you get used to anything, Right. The less scary yes, it is. Yes, the first time it's weird. It's like, oh, what's that? That's That sounds odd. Okay, and then the next time, it's like you hear a song and the first time you're like, ooh, I don't like that song. But you hear it again, you're like, oh, hmm, it's not so bad. And then you hear it again and again, you're like, all of a sudden it's your favorite song. Just like we don't talk about Bruno. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Encanto, right? <laughs> now, uh, Kathy, how often should a person harvest? How do you know when it's time to harvest your worm bin? Yeah, so if you need some compost, you can just take some of the compost out, mm -hmm. you know, if there's any worms, put them back in and use the compost. 
Um, otherwise, in a like a Rubbermaid back to just the do-it-yourself one unit thing, it would be about three to five months. Okay. And then, um, you know, you kind of don't wait for everything to be converted because if you do, then the worm, you'll start losing worms, right? Oh. Then there's nothing for them. Okay. And they're surface dwellers. So there's a few things you can do. And I'm happy to help anyone out if anyone has questions. Um, you know, if you put your stuff, uh, add some stuff on top, like some food scraps and paper, wait a day or two, then you go in, you grab all that material, put it in your new bin, then you've got a lot of the worms. Mm -hmm. And then you can take the rest and just dump it out, put it in small round piles. The worms don't like the light, so they'll go down into the piles scoop off the top scoop around this. it takes time but uh -huh. it's, you know a, a lovely grounding process <laughs> um it's wonderful unless it's your business and it's harvest time again <laughs> <laughs> then it's work yeah <laughs> right um for, but with if you have a system then the easy thing to do is just add the next tray on top and the worms harvest for you because then the bottom tray will just be all the compost because when you, is Bingo. that right you if you put a new tray on top and you start putting your food scraps there, the worms will crawl up through the holes to the next layer and leave all that wonderful worm poo on the lower tray. And you take that tray out and, and use it as you would in your garden. Absolutely. That exactly. Yes. Can you, can you know how you can make compost tea? You, can you make compost tea out of worm castings too? Is that, am I, am I right about that? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So what you do with the, um, the tower composters, again, have a tap at the bottom. So the bottom basin would be to capture the liquid mm -hmm. and easily drain it off. If that liquid smells bad, it's become anaerobic. You want to discard that. Plants always require aerobic bacteria to grow. So you would discard that. I learned that through a bad sauerkraut experiment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can only imagine. It was bad. It was bad, Kathy. Visual. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but yes, so so all you would do is just take some, you know, a handful of the castings and you can stir it right into your watering jug. Oh, great. And then just water your plants. Again, it's water soluble, so it dissolves. It looks like tea. Water your plants. Now you want to use that within, you know, within about 24 hours. Oh, okay. That's good to know. That's, yeah. That's when it's going to be most vibrant. And alive, unless you have a bubbler, like um, you know, that like you have in a fish tank uh -huh. that adds the oxygen. Gotcha. You can, you know, there are again, people can Google how to make compost tea. You get a bucket, a a fish tank, um, air pump, and then add what add it, and then you steep it. You can steep it for twenty four to forty eight hours. You know, with the bubbler, you have your bag of castings, and like mm -hmm. I, I'm suggesting, just mixing it right in the water and then using it right away. Yeah. If you want to make get all like, fancy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to get, if you want to get fancy, that's right, and add air in there, and so you know you can add molasses and and make a a real brew, um, because then you're feeding the microbes. What you want to do is add something, like adds a little bit of sugar and spice. So, so you're attracting those wonderful microbes. They, they increase because they're like, yum, yum, yum. Look at all this food. And then you've got your beautiful um, microbial rich. I never knew until Edith and I started this podcast, how important microbes are to the soil. Oh my gosh. Just like they are to our body. Yes. And that, you know, we, and we, I used to till every year and I bought 10 years ago, I stopped tilling. I'm, I, and we really profess to people to say, just stop tilling things because otherwise you're just, making the microbes start all over again. 
Yeah, and you're shredding all those, like all the mycelium and all mm -hmm. the all those shreds, all the whole internet web under <laughs> underneath. Yes. Oh, yay! No tell. I love yeah. it. Good. Now you were saying, Kathy, that one of the signs of a healthy system is that it should not smell. Just like yes. just like just like cut your compost outside should just smell just, just smell like earth. Uh, what are the, some of the other signs of a healthy compost worm composting system? Um. Well, where it's kind of friable, it doesn't smell. You could have fruit flies because they're just decomposers, but you know mm -hmm. they're not a necessary component. Okay. And the way you prevent having fruit flies, because that is one of the big objections. Like people are like, "Oh, I don't, I, I don't want to have fruit flies." So I say, "Have you ever had fruit flies?" Yes, because most people have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I ask people, "Have you had fruit flies?" And I wait while they say yes. And then I say, then my, <laughs> my next question is, have you ever had a worm bin? And then I wait for them to say no. And when they say no, um, I say, good, because now you know the fruit flies don't come from the worm bin. They come from the food we're mm -hmm. adding in. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're fruit flies. So they're on with the fruit peels and I'll use bananas. We don't generally wash the banana before consuming it. So we just peel it. And the, so the fruit fly eggs are on the outside. So there's that fruit fly, or the uh, banana peel intact as it starts to get speckled and ripen the perfect environment for the for them to fly around and bug us. And yeah. Have you ever tried that tip of apple cider vinegar for fruit flies? I have, but it, you know, prevention is a better um, yeah. <laughs> thing. Just like, you know, staying healthy and rather than getting sick and then having to get healed, yeah. just stay healthy is better. Um, so not getting fruit flies is a better, um, a better way to go about it. And that would be rinsing any peels that you don't generally wash. Okay. Right. The apple you're eating it, they're on there too, but you've eaten them or you wash them off. Um, so give your, all your peels that you don't wash first, um, a, a, a quick rinse and that, that will. That's a great tip. That's a wonderful Thank tip. You. Yeah. Um, and how, and how, what are some of the ways that you use your, your castings around your, around inside your house, outside in your yard? How, what are some of the ways you use them, Kathy? So for a potted plant, if somebody has a plant that needs a little bit of TLC, you can just take, you know, say it's depending on the size of the pot, but it, just a regular size house plant, say, um, a tablespoon of castings and gently work it in around the, around the stem into the soil. You don't want to leave it exposed because it, it dries out and becomes and then it you know needs to be watered again to become viable so if you just kind of mix it in then it will so that's if you have an existing one now we're coming up spring if people want it to start a like a mix you would do a 20 20 80 so 20 percent castings 80 percent just kind of crappy soil and <laughs> it's so super rich and we'll amend it oh that's fantastic well um, I think you should come back again. And, I would love and, it. and when you come back, I think I should have my worm composting bin all set up. And I will ask you a lot of selfish questions. And then I'm going to put this offer out to our listeners, too, that if you have more questions about worm composting, uh, write to us, folks, and we'll pass them along to Kathy. How does that sound? I love it. I love that. <laughs> well, you are so full of knowledge and such a wonderful, pleasant bubbly person, Kathy. I just, I love chatting with you. I love getting to know you. Um, and we look forward to having you on again in the future. Oh, I'm thrilled. Thank you so much, Christy. I appreciate it. Thank you, Kathy.
Christy, that was just a really fun and fabulously um, informative interview that you did with Kathy. Isn't she something? She really, truly is. She is so fun. You know, we didn't get a chance to talk about it. But you might find this interesting, Karen, that Kathy is a practitioner of laughter yoga. <gasps> I love that idea much more than goat yoga. <laughs> right. I've got to say, <laughs> I'd rather be laughing than have little hooves on my back. Yeah. And you could just tell, like, she just, she loves to laugh and she loves her worms. Oh, and- clearly. That was clear. Well, and, and I had no idea. No. Well, I kind of did, but not. That worm poop is so magnificent. Yeah. And worm poop. You know, poop in general, everybody, I think kind of gets not, I mean, it doesn't get its weight. It doesn't get really its full due. <laughs> because, you know, all things, all things, if you, if you poop well, if, uh-huh. if you're, if anything that poops, if you're mm-hmm. pooping, and if you're pooping well, mm-hmm. you know things are gonna be all right, right? Like you're you're good, everything's good. If poop is good, yeah, and no, every, and everything's no good. Poo like worm poo? Apparently not. Apparently not. And the compost tea, yeah. I was fascinated by the compost tea too. But I, can I offer just a little bit of advice? Make sure that your compost tea and your tea are separated at all times. Oh, you know what? We didn't clarify that. I think it's really That's really important. smart of you. Yeah, don't eat. And if you're making sun tea mm-hmm. at the same time uh-huh. with your compost, that could be really tricky. Yeah. Just make sure Label. that the vessels, labeling is always good. Yeah. Sharpies are very handy. <laughs> Just keep them separate. <laughs> Nobody wants to drink that. I don't want to drink that. I also find it to be fascinating that worms have five hearts. Five hearts. That's five more than some people I know. (laughs) (laughs) So true. (laughs) Good one, Karen. (laughs) Okay, friends. Now here's a new pop play by our dear friend, Josh Hartwell, who shares his respect for another critter we find in our garden. I never want to kill anything. I mostly blow on, although I will occasionally, and almost involuntarily swat a mosquito who's sucking my blood and or giving me West Nile virus or malaria. But even then, I do actually feel a little guilty. I have this little narrow balcony off my perch. That's what I call the room where I sleep. It's on the third floor, and on the balcony, I have some potted living things. There are cucumbers, marigolds, snapdragons, Thai basil, and these little blueberry tomatoes. There are also a few volunteer plants, and I have no idea what they are, but I just let them live because they don't seem to be hurting anyone. Also out on the balcony, there is a hornet's nest and its grouchy inhabitants. It's been there the entire summer. I have to walk past the nest to water my plants, so every day when I water, I tiptoe past them, almost like a cartoon tiptoe from the Flintstones or Scooby-Doo. I usually hold my breath while I do it because I know that bees are attracted to our breath, and I know hornets aren't bees, but they are yellowish and they buzz, so I'm not taking that chance. Although sometimes I do talk to them as I'm creeping past. Hey guys, just watering the balcony garden, don't mind me. A lot of people would spray the nest with Raid or any type of wasp poisoning, but I can't imagine killing this whole nest of beings. They haven't hurt me or threatened me yet, 
and my dog Jeannie doesn't go out on that third floor balcony, so they're not about to attack her. I wouldn't even feel right removing the nest, even if such an act wouldn't guarantee multiple hundreds of stings or bites, whatever they do to inflict harm. Who am I to tell these folks where they can or cannot live? So we continue this passive-slash-passive-aggressive symbiotic relationship. I'm slightly afraid to go out on my balcony every day. I tiptoe past instead of murdering them, and they don't swarm me. About a week ago, after heavy rain, I didn't see any hornets crawling around the nest, and I even felt a little albatrossy for a minute. I almost missed the weight of them around my neck before I did finally notice them stalking about. Now summer is on its way out. The hornets will go to wherever hornets go when it turns cold, and I'll be able to go out onto my balcony again, although my plants will also be gone, so I won't have any reason to go out there. Hey, Karen. Yes, Christy. Guess what time it is? What time? It's mailbag time. Ring, ring. Because the postman always rings twice. <laughs> okay. Well, this week, friends, we have a letter from Tom from somewhere. And it's in reference to a letter we had a couple weeks ago from Anne. So Anne wrote us all about seeking solutions about what to do with her squirrels that were eating her sunflowers. And uh, Catherine and I had suggestions about you know, the pepper spray, the um, uh, feed them someplace away from where you don't want them to eat. Mm-hmm. And um, my theory, which I don't know if it's true or not, is give them a water source. That's mm. why I think my, I think it's why squirrels go after my tomatoes is because they're thirsty. Interesting. I don't know if that's true or not, but. It might be in Colorado. Isn't everything thirsty all right. the time? Yeah, well, that's a good point. You know, it might be. So Tom wrote wrote us in in response to that. Well, Tom says, your water theory is a dud. (laughs) I live on a 100,000 acre lake and they still rob my tomatoes. I saw one come through with a loaf of bread and mayonnaise. (laughs) And you know what, Tom? I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. Those squirrels are tricky little buggers and they're inventive. Right. In fact, if that squirrel came in with a loaf of bread and mayonnaise... Um, I'd also be worried about your lettuce and if you have a pig. I mean, seriously, (laughs) watch out. Just watch out. Lock it all up. Lock it all up. Well, uh, Tom, we challenge you to see if you have any other ideas about what to do with squirrels. I have an idea. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, uh, Flaming arrows. Mm. Yeah. Flaming (laughs) arrows. I don't... And that's the tricky thing with them, right? Like, you don't... I'm not cruel to animals let's not get things all twisted here you know (laughs) but i but it is one of those tricky little situations where you're like oh my gosh you are such a pest and i want to get rid of you but i also don't want to kill you because i'm not a serial killer right so you're a good person yeah typically you don't have five hearts but you have one i do have one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it is one of those things where it's like, what do you do that's not going to injure them, but it's also yeah. going to deter them from your garden? I think flaming arrows. I think I'm going to invest in some. Mm-hmm. Even if you just get them in the foot. Just aim for the foot. Yeah. Maybe you could create some Karen's flaming squirrel arrows. I love this idea. Again, <laughs> falling right in line with the entrepreneurship. Let's right. do this. Well, if you want to invest in this, folks, will you please write to us 
at UpsideDownTulips at Gmail or if you have solutions on what to do about squirrels. If you have questions, you want to share your favorite gardening mistakes, UpsideDownTulips at Gmail or just click on UpsideDownTulips.com or click on the show notes. That's it. All the ways. All the ways to tell us all the things about squirrels. Christy, do you happen to have any inspiration for us this week? I do, Karen. This week's inspiration comes from Leah Malat, who's a French author who self-published her first book at the age of 17. Get out. She writes, September was a 30 days long goodbye to the summer, to the season that left everybody both happy and weary of the warm, humid weather and the exhausting but thrilling adventures. Huh. I love that. Goodbye, Summer. Bye, Summer. We love you, September. Oh, boy, do we ever. Well, friends, you come to the end of another episode of Upside Down Tulips. We are Christy Montour-Larson and Karen Slack. And if you got some laughs and hopefully some sort of value out of this week's episode, could you please do us a favor? Hit that subscribe, like, or follow button wherever you listen to your podcast. And thank you so much to Denise Gentilini for composing and performing the Upside Down Tulips theme song. And if you want more, just go to denisegentilini.com or you can find that link at UpsideDownTulips.com. Many thanks to the many talents and kind hearts of our friends, Edith Weiss and Josh Hartwell. And thank you to our excellent yet enigmatic engineer. Join us in two weeks for another episode that will delight and amaze you. And don't forget, Karen, if you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. And I have a present for you, Karen. You do for me? Yes, because this is your first episode of Upside Down Tulips. I have some homemade pickles. I love homemade pickles. I love pickles. <laughs>